Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And a lot's happened over these last few weeks. And that's a major reason why we took a week off. A couple weeks ago, I went back home for a special purpose. I had to take the transporter beam down to my hometown, Omaha, Nebraska, to say goodbye to someone whom I dearly love. Norma Ruth Goodwin, 91 years old and 91 years young. My grandmother and the matriarch of a family that had over 6,500 people at their annual family reunion. On August 12th, we had the chance to lay her to rest and say goodbye. A memorial service in her honor. She passed away in June, and we decided to have the funeral during the family reunion when so much family were going to be there and would want to be there. It was also an important weekend for me because it was the weekend where I came out of the darkness and into the light. You see, I've lived openly as myself for over five years, but most of my family didn't know. I was afraid to tell them because I was afraid of how they'd react. Boy, was I wrong. I thought they'd push me away. Instead, they opened their arms and said, Welcome home, cousin. Welcome home, niece. Welcome home, fam. That was a piece of trans joy. But then I come back and I read the news and find out more of the same old enmity. It just can't even take a summer vacation, can it? And one of the biggest pieces of news came out of Utah. It's Now, Utah, as you recall, passed legislation that banned transgender student-athletes from school sports. Among the pieces of this legislation that's now law in Utah was that a parent or school or a coach could call for a challenge on a student and that student would have to prove they are who they say they are, up to and including genital examinations. There was a complaint in the spring season, and it was documented by Deseret News. It seems after one competitor bested the rest in a girls' state-level competition this past spring, parents of the competitors who finished second and third lodged a complaint with the Utah High School Activities Association that called into question the winner's gender. Now, the association said they received a number of complaints, some that said that, quote, the female athlete doesn't look feminine enough. Thankfully, on Friday, thanks to some action led in part by the ACLU, who and one of their top legal eagles is a friend of the show, and a friend of humanity, in my opinion, Chase Strangio, a federal judge 
ruled for an injunction on this law. This law is stricken down for the time being, and it's good that it is, because something like this is horrible. If I was the parents of that kid that won, believe me, the parents of second and third place would get an earful and a mouthful from me. In their zeal to try and mess with trans kids, they infringed on a cisgender child because, quote-unquote, she doesn't look the part. Transphobia and misogyny, hand-in-hand. To those parents of those two children, I hope you're satisfied. I hope your kids are embarrassed. They most likely are. Everything that I feel about reading that story was in an editorial cartoon that was done by the Salt Lake City Tribune's editorial cartoonist, Pat Bagley. Longest continually employed full-time editorial cartoonist in the country. Been with the Salt Lake Tribune since 1979. And I can tell you, sir, you hit the nail on the head with that editorial cartoon. It shows a parent looking at a little girl standing on top of the podium. And this parent is screaming, show us your genitals. Meanwhile, the kid finished second. I've, in this cartoon, it seems like the second place girl's father is saying this. She's face palming right now. And the girl who finished third is looking bewildered like, what in the world is going on here? What am I looking at? Mr. Bagley, sir, you're spot on. Because that is what this law and all this vitriol is really about. It's about saying that transgender women aren't women, but also it's saying that only some cisgender women are deemed okay or deemed feminine enough to play a game. And really, no cisgender woman's that good in sports. That's what these people really think. But that isn't the only ignorance I saw coming back. There's also the ignorance of People sending death threats to healthcare professionals, like those at Boston Children's Hospital last week. We got some of the news articles in the liner notes there as well. And then there's all the ignorance that surrounded last weekend's LPGA qualifying tournament stage one, Q School. Now, most years, most people, even hardcore golf heads, aren't paying attention to Q School and paying attention to who might get a chance at a tour card. But they paid attention because one of the people trying for a tour card just happens to be trans and happens to be a pretty good golfer. The person in question is a good friend of mine and friend of the podcast, Haley Davidson. Now, Haley Davidson, if you... Last year, she took part in the qualifying tournament. Didn't raise much of a stink. But this year, in the post-Leah Thomas age, all hell's broken loose. It was pathetic reading some of the things that people are saying. Never mind that she was many shots behind the person leading the tournament. The mere fact that she might earn a tour card got these people all in a bunch. One of those came from LBC in the UK, a guy named Andrew Castle. Now, LBC, 
they say it's leading Britain's conversation is what I call the talking Tory graph. It's mostly a bunch of right-wing yackers on the radio, and with the exception of James O'Brien and Natasha Devon, that's basically what it is. It's GB News without the pictures. Now, the good Mr. Castle on his show decided to ring up an intersectional rights advocate in the UK who I look up to named Felix Fern. Now, Felix Fern is hell on wheels. They advocate for transgender rights, disabled rights, rights. They're a hardcore feminist. And they're one of those people that if you bring them on their show, you better eat your Weetabix because he's ready to he's ready to fight. And in this case, Mr. Castle learned you don't come to Felix unless you got your own good bag of tricks and he didn't. Let's take a listen. Uh, are you a golfer? I am not, I confess. <laughs> well, we've got a golfer in the United States called Haley Davidson, and she would like to play golf with women. Does she have um, an unfair advantage because she was born a male? Why would she have an unfair advantage? Respiratory strength, lung capacity, muscle mass. Are you aware of the effects of hormone replacement therapy? Um, yeah, it makes you weaker physically, muscularly, and in a respiratory way. Uh, that's yes, some so of you've, you've, yes, you've just attempted to give the reasons as to why she might have an advantage yep. and then explain why she doesn't have an advantage. But can we talk about women who are professional athletes, who, um, who are biological female from birth? Um, th th those women who are professionals and have worked all their life suddenly are being outcompeted by people who've gained an advantage who weren't born female. I'm concerned about fairness in women's sport. I don't believe that there's been any, any evidence that they are being outcompeted. There's been no sudden influx of trans women milling. Oh, no, there is. No, there, no, 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 there, there is. There's, there's plenty of examples of, of, of the situation that I've just talked about, Felix. No, there isn't, though, is there? Leah Thomas. Who is a competitor. Sometimes she wins, sometimes she loses. What's her advantage? Well, her advantage is she's bigger and stronger and has had the advantage of a male body to train and is now competing with people who didn't have that same advantage. Some of her competitors have won against her because they also have bigger, stronger bodies than her. I think that you're assuming that trans women have some magical strength that they just don't have. So the simple fact is that... How much sport do you play, Felix? Trans women. How much women, sport do you play? to be included in all aspects of life. Would you like to know my opinion? Well, no, well, hold on a second. What sport do you play? Why is that relevant to the conversation? Because we're talking about sport. Cool. Well, LBC invited me because my expertise is on trans issues, not sports issues. But would you like to know my opinion about golf? Yeah. Cool. Golf is inaccessible. I just asked you what, 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 what yeah. you know about golf sport. Is this is a sports story. When you were invited on, you knew this was a sports story. It's also a trans story, which is the element that you're focusing on. Golf courses take up a horrific amount of natural land, ruining local ecosystems. Oh There's a God. huge housing crisis in the UK. What are you talking about? The houses. What are there you are talking more, about? There are more people. That we're talking about golf. performance sport. Cool. There are more people. You were going to tell golf. me what you were going to tell me about sport. There are more people that play golf than there are trans people. 
So why is the story always on trans people and not actually the sport? It's about it's about fairness in sport for women. I think it's about fairness in it's about sport should be included in every aspect of life, whether that's sport or anything okay. else. Yeah. I think that golf is rubbish. It's boring. I would rather carve my eyes out with a wooden spoon than watch golf. But women should still be allowed to play in any sport, and that includes trans women. It really is that simple. When was the last time you played golf? Do you play golf? Yeah. Is it true that when golfers celebrate together, does that make it swiggers part? Um, so you don't play golf. Do you know what my handicap is? I've already told you that I don't play golf, so I really couldn't care less. Sorry if that's offensive to you. But, but, you're, but you're happy to comment on it and to, uh, to criticise people to in it and those who own golf clubs and, and who compete on golf are you, courses. Are you trans? No. Why are you so happy to comment on trans issues then? I'm, I'm, I invited you on to comment. Yeah, so answer the question. Why, why are you so happy and entitled to speak on trans issues, but I'm not because I don't play sports? If that was a boxing match, they'd stop it. Now, Felix, on that hate and golf thing, uh, I can't totally run with you on that, partner, because I started taking golf lessons this summer, and I'm, I'm all right. I mean... I'm not. I'm nowhere near Haley Davidson good. In fact, I'm pretty bad. But you know what? It's something I may want to pursue a little bit more. But the point is, once again, a transphobe doesn't know what they're talking about, and they got served hard. But amid all the ridiculousness and continuing transphobia. There's always some trans joy to be found, and there's going to be some trans joy this weekend in Seattle. Because of something that I was told was going to happen back in May. Now remember, in May, on May 18th, we beamed up Brittany Miller and Jerrica Moore, the brain trust behind the Puget Sound Pronoun softball team based out there. And they said they had a goal for the season. Here's what that goal was. My, our number one goal this year is we want to sometime this summer, um, maybe late July, maybe early September, uh, you know, depends on schedules, but we're, we're trying to find a way to organize a youth skills clinic. And what we'd like to do is basically set up stations with players and coaches from our league being like, Okay, this is where you feel the grounder. This is how you throw. This is how you throw a ball. Um, this is the hitting station. This is you know the outfield where you're gonna track fly balls. Um, and you know we would supply t-shirts and uh, water and snacks and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and basically show kids that we belong in sports. That LGBTQIA plus people belong in sports as much as anyone else that we can play just as well as anybody else well this saturday that goal becomes a real thing this saturday at north sea tech park in seattle tacoma the youth skills clinic is going to happen and there's still time if you don't know about it to jump in on it but with more on that we're beaming up the brain trust Brittany Miller, Jerrica Moore from the Puget Sound Pronouns, welcome back to the transporter room. Quick energize. 
so yeah welcome Th thank you for welcoming us back uh we really appreciate it we are happy to be here um it's cool to see this becoming something that is real and tangible rather than just an idea and a poster um and you know hopefully the first of many events like this for us how do you feel about the fact that this this week is here the run-up is here you've done months of planning and now on saturday you're getting it done yeah it felt uh so for, for so long it felt like it was so far away and you know, all of a sudden it just sneaks up on you. Um, you feel like, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of time. I've put these things together. And then you get to the end and, and you realize um, that you put a lot, you put a, something pretty big together. And it's really exciting to see that it's coming to fruition. And it's just a little surreal that it's already here. Now, one thing about the skills clinic, still time for parents to get the kids in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do now? Let's say I'm a parent and say Seattle, Tacoma, or even in the Tri Cities, or even down in Portland. What do I need to do to get my kid, make my kid a part of this? Sure. So the uh, fee for each participant is thirty dollars. We do have a few sponsorships available uh, for kids that have financial hardship, um, and it comes with a free pronouns T-shirt. We're providing snacks and water. Um, and just that $30 fee will get you all of that. All right. So you've got that. So if I understand that right, $30, $30 will get it in. Now, Jerrica, I'm, I'm pointing to you as the PR person for all the, for all this. I mean, what kind of buzz are we, are we seeing out there as well, far as the camp? Yeah, we recently, uh, got. Uh, Gender Justice League. They're an organization here in Seattle that specializes in uh, advocacy work for the transgender community. Uh, and so we were able to get in contact with them and they are promoting uh, the program on all their social media uh, networks. So they send out a tweet, uh, something on Instagram. Uh, so we're doing everything that we can to reach out to as many people as possible. Now, as far as the clinic itself on Saturday, What's it going to look like? I mean, what's going to be taught? What's going to look like? I mean, what's going to happen? Yeah, we've got um, seven or eight coaches from uh, that are players from ECSA, uh, which is the league the pronouns play in, a couple of pronouns players, a couple of players from Rainbow City teams, which is the Asana Women's League out here in Seattle. Um, and each of them will just be running a drill station to, you know, go through just some very basic skills. They'll be, you know, hitting, throwing, fielding, catching, base running, things like that. Um, and the most important thing, though, is to teach teamwork and friendship, because that's the most important thing about sports is getting to know your teammates, learning to work together towards a common goal and building friendships and relationships out of it. Well, I'll tell you what, I've, I hope that a lot of kids show up. Now, one thing, let's say you've got a parent out there who says, okay, once again, just to make sure we get it right, I'm a parent, want my kid in this, what do they need to do? So it's $30 for the participation fee. Uh, the participation fee includes a pronouns t-shirt, water, and snacks. Um, and we're not taking any of the proceeds. Uh, we're donating them all to Trans Lifeline. So basically, we're operating the event at a loss just because we know Trans Lifeline deserves 
uh, the proceeds of the event. Well, as a person who works for Trans Lifeline, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I'm going to and I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. Brittany, the transporter room, myself, I'm going to throw one I'm going to throw you a bone. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to send some love to this. I'll sponsor a kid. Oh, awesome. I'll Thanks sponsor so much, I'll Charlie. I'll sponsor one. I'll sponsor Perfect. it's 30 bucks, right? I'll yep. sponsor Okay, someone gets a Carly Webb scholarship to this thing. There we go. Someone gets one. So I'm going to I'm going to put this on up right here. I mean, but you both must be proud. Number one of the fact that Brittany, I believe you got your 100 games this year, year in or got really close. I played 94. Uh, I got two on Wednesday. Got two on Thursday, got one on Sunday, and uh, and then I think so. I think that would make next Wednesday when I reach a hundred. So, all right. Well, hey, I want to know when you reach that one hundred because I want I want to see what the Brittany Miller baseball card looks like. <laughs> I want to see what the Brittany Miller softball reference dot com line box score looks like at That's the end right. of this season. I, I, I want to see it. I haven't filled you in in a while, have I? I yeah, I, I probably have uh, about 30 games under my belt that you, that you don't know the numbers of. So, Well, I want to know the whole – I want to know – I I just want to know, are you – I mean, are you Jay Buhner or are you Ichiro? I want to know where you – kind of where uh, you fall in the state. Yeah, a, little bit of, a little bit of both. I mean, uh, about. I, I've got a 625 average, uh, 16 triples, 53 doubles, and 27 homers. So. 625 yeah you know what that means don't you that, i don't uh, I mean, now jerica i just want to know is this is this the free agent year <laughs> is this the, i, I want to know because i know i know a team of connecticut that could use you mine <laughs> unfortunately i've signed a lifetime contract with the future sound pronouns Oh, they don't even pay me. It's a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one thing you should, you must be proud of what you put together with your nonprofit. And now not only as a softball team, but now to put together this piece of community service, it must be a great feeling going into Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we always want the pronouns to be more than just a softball team. And this is, you know, our first opportunity to truly do something in the community that shows we are accomplishing that goal that we're, we're not just a bunch of folks that go around and play softball in different cities that there's more to us than that. And we can um, affect change in ways other than simple visibility. Well, folks, you heard it here. North sea tech park noon to four on this coming Saturday, bring your kid, bring yourselves, come out. It's going to be a great time. Brittany Miller, Jerrica Moore, thank you for being back on the Transporter Room and have a great clinic this weekend. And I look forward to seeing the box score after 100 games. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. I'll send it your way. Thanks for having us on here to promote this. And uh, just one more time for the, the parents out there, $30 comes with a T-shirt, water and snacks provided, and all proceeds go to Trans Lifeline. And I thank you for that. Going to beam you back down. And you're hearing the red alert clacks. You know what that means. you got to take a break. Give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, a voice who's been around the block more than a few times in her sport, 
as a voice for inclusion comes back to speak out some more. You won't want to miss that. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And just because I took a week off from doing the podcast doesn't mean that the news took a week off, as you heard at the beginning of the show. And the battle over what the new landscape of sports, be it scholastic, be it collegiate, be it international, continues to unfold. And But one sport, which has made some headway, is sailing. And one of the reasons why sailing has made that headway is because there's a transgender person in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. There is a woman of the sea who lives in Yarmouth, Maine, named Stephanie Helms. Stephanie Helms, at at age three and a half, knew two things. One, she knew she was a girl, and number two, She loved the sea. In her early 20s, she she began sailing and found, I'm pretty good at it, just may make a career out of it. Since then, she has been a competitive sailor. She's been an official with U.S. Sailing. She is a member of U.S. Sailing's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. In addition to being somebody who is a force to be reckoned with, Amend the wind and the sea with those sails. She came out and came into her true self 20 years ago. And since then, she's been a person that hasn't so much led by firebrand words, but led by a firebrand example in her sport. And now in the place where rules are being made and rules are being changed. And with the landscape that we're seeing right now, as tenuous as it is, voices like her are even more important. And that voice we're sharing with you today. Beaming up from Yarmouth, Maine, a good friend of this podcast and a person I consider a mentor, Stephanie Helms, welcome to the Transporter Room. Energize. My God, what an introduction. I don't, I don't know if I can live up to any of that. But. We'll try. <laughs> Stephanie, before we start getting into the meat of what we want to talk about, how's the competitive season been for you? Because I know you've managed to get out there, do some regattas here and there. It's been, say we haven't covered ourselves entirely with glory. I think last year was maybe a little bit more successful than this year. We've had a difficult time keeping a team together. Just on a consistent basis, week after week, we're doing pretty well in the J24 class. We're doing a little bit, uh, we're doing pretty well in the Etchells class too, but actually I think we're doing better in the Etchells class than we are in a J24 class. But on the whole, it's been fun. You know, it's been, it's always fun. And that's the idea of sport, have fun. If you're not having fun, it's the sport you're participating in, you're doing it wrong. Now, one thing, when people think sailing, however, 
They think of Thurston Howe the Third from Gilligan's Island. They think of that it's an upper crust sport. But you've been teaching people this sport for thirty plus years. Why? Why is this actually a sport for the masses? Why is this something that everyone could do? Well, there are uh, there are community sailing centers all across the country that are open with people people who really want to get introduce the love of the sea and the interaction between wind and water as a uh, as a little puzzle to solve and uh, it's while expensive it's not more expensive really than lacrosse or ice hockey or any number of things so there are tons of different uh, endeavors that might cost you the same or more so uh, you know yes it does the cost of boat ownership is a bit steep because there are mooring fees and or slip fees or or just the maintenance of the boat or the purchase price of the boat but boats are available um, for not a lot of money. It's mostly the ancillary carrying costs that that uh, that kill. And as a sailmaker, yeah, you got to pay me every time, every now and again because you know you need the equipment. But well, it's really not. It's not as bad as some as some people think, and it's certainly not exclusive to Thurston Howell the Third, who probably couldn't didn't know how to tie a bow, and he had people for that. <laughs> Well, see, that's the other side of it too. But, and by the way, you owe me. You owe me some water time. You're gonna you get this. It. You're gonna get this landlubber right here. Because after all, I grew up. I grew up in the landlocked Midwest. And get me out there. It's all. Hey, I like it a lot better in New England. I'll tell you that. One of the reasons you're right next to the sea. Now, you are a part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion unit for U.S. sailing. What is the pro what's the process been like in U.S. sailing and in the sport in general and in world sailing as well in regards to the issues where we that we've seen a lot of controversy about and that's transgender inclusion. World Triathlon recently came up with their policy. It it wasn't a blanket ban and being a duathlete triathlete I say thank you. But it's still very much played into fear and hysteria, just like world rugby, just like the rugby football union in England, just like British triathlon did. And just like, and, and in many ways, just like the cycling and swimming world governing bodies did. What is the, what's the process been for us sailing and how has the rules that have come up so far in, in other governing bodies affected what you're trying to do? Well, to put it mildly, I think that the issue is terribly politically fraught. However, in the United States, at uh, at the level of the USOPC, which is the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, um, there has been a, a general commitment to inclusion. And uh, the 2021 Trans Inclusion Messaging Toolkit, which I have a copy of here, says, Sport has an, has an immense impact on every aspect of our well-being. It strengthens our bodies, sharpens our minds, and unites our communities. 
It inspires and uplifts us. At its best, sport reminds us of the triumph and resilience of the human spirit. But when we ex exclude people from sports, if we shut them out because of who they are, we don't just deny their humanity. We deny them the very things that nourish it. That's not what sport's about. Uh, that's, it, it, that falls into line with the call from the IOC when they abandoned their, basically abandoned them being on the hook for excluding people and turning it over to various governing bodies and national and international federations put in their, uh, in, in their standards for developing these very policies. And it seems like a number of governing bodies, sadly, have decided to go against some of those principles and adopt policies on the basis of fear. Uh, we're doing our best to take a realistic approach to uh, our sport with the idea of inclusion as a uh, as a as a founding principle, because as the IOC Charter itself says, never mind never mind the declaration, sport is a human right. I believe it's principle principle four three principle, principle four. four principle four so the prim principle sport is a human right. Ain't I human? I mean, it's like uh, you know you can. I, I think it's well established in, in in a number of people's minds that. Uh, you can create a separate category for somebody like me, but isn't that like, you know, a little bit of what Plessy versus Ferguson called separate but equal? I mean, I'm not equal if I'm not able to compete. And it, it, the, the funny, it, it, it can be sport dependent. I will grant, I will grant each federation, a, you know, the flexibility to evaluate the circumstances for their sport. My sport is fundamentally co-ed. It's very equipment dependent, and and it's very uh, what your capabilities of of being successful in a particular piece of equipment depend on body types that aren't restricted to male and female physiognomy really and you know so it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of assumptions made probably the most fundamental assumption is that women aren't as good as men in sports and depending on the sport that's bullshit you know, so there's there's this element of misogyny, and when it when when it comes down to discussions of trans people in sport, there's trans misogyny involved too, because there's never a discussion about the guys. Well, you know what? Well, you know what I say often that transphobes believe two things, and both of them are false. That transgender women aren't women, and cisgender women suck at sport. Because let's that's one thing. Let's talk. I always say, let's talk about what this is really about. This is about transgender women. This is about, this is what a lot of this, a lot of this vitriol is about, is about these concerns. Now, one thing 
in the green room before we started, you talked about that. How did Leah Thomas affect the process that you were trying to work with in U.S. Salem? I think that I, I think that Leah's success outraged or gave gave a an avenue to uh, engender outrage to people who just weren't going going to accept her at all anyway. Um, and I don't think that I don't think it did. I think the tragedy for individuals who are engaged in this sort of thing is that there's that bias there. I mean, there was a, the there was the presumption of his advantage. It that does. violates the framework for fairness. Principle five: No presumption yeah. of advantage shall be assumed. You got to prove right. it. Right. So rather than what what. Uh, what FINA did was, you know, uh, ultimately after after Leah's success was presume advantage and ban everybody, you know, unless you've trans unless you've transitioned and had puberty blockers, uh, unless you've fully transitioned by the age of twelve, you're out. You know, I mean, and, and it's just no, that's a whole other thing. What the hell does that even mean? What does that mean? Fully transition. Can you even de can you even define that? Uh, can you even do it? Well, that's, that's one thing. thing. <laughs> one thing you, I do you want know, to that's 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 sort of you know that's that that is exclusionary. It's it's an exclusionary rule, and uh, I, I know that. Back, I think it was back in June. There was a, a Canadian Olympic swimmer who is now a, a human rights attorney in Canada. I can't recall uh, the lady's name, um, but she's saying, "Yeah, I'll take this all the way to the CAS." You know, you know, Council for Arbitration and Sport. I'll take it all the way there because it's blatantly wrong, and for for a number of reasons. So you can go into biology, but usually. If you're making the scientific, if you're making the scientific case, it's nowhere near as effective as the emotional case. In fact, that swimmer it's, Nikki Dryden, Canadian yeah. swimmer, human rights lawyer, and she told, um, she told Radio New Zealand that, or rather, she told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, ABC, she told yeah. ABC that I'll take that case. I'll take it. I hope someone does, but that's so anyway, back to, back no, but to the, one uh, thing looking at, looking at it from your, from the perspective of what you were trying to do, because you were telling me that there, there was a, you had a process that was going pretty good. And then Leah Thomas happened and all of a sudden everybody started pulling back. Well, in any, you know, in any human endeavor, there, there are boards of directors and, you know, people that, need to be convinced and and uh and this has become a landmine for uh people who are generally concerned you know in in, in one respect uh sailing is not they're not thirst and how the third but there's there's a little bit of that old boy thing going on 
even though our representative to U.S. Sailing is is uh, is a woman and, and past president of U.S. Sailing, and uh, she's really great. Corey Searle is terrific. Um, but you know, it's it's struggling. And actually, Corey was Corey was a, a force in in uh, promulgating an interim policy that we're still operating under, which is basically for amateur events, essentially self ID, but with a little bit of a you know, you need to have a note from your doctor, et cetera, and so forth. Um. And we're still operating under that, so we do have we do have an interim policy until world selling gets you know gets its uh, fingers a thing. Um, but you know we'll we'll see uh, how that goes. What do you hear? Right yeah, nothing. What, so world sailing is still kind of like because yeah because it's because it's a landmine. You know, it's a it's a landmark. You, world World Sailing is based in in uh, uh, Southampton, I believe, or London. I mean, it's in other words, Turf Island. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 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 a small ish. Well, you know, sailing itself is kind of a smallish part of the whole sports universe. But uh, you know, we're all struggling with this. Uh, we'd be struggling less if it weren't on the front page of the Daily Mail, every, you know, every Sunday or the Sunday Times or the, or for that matter, the New York Times or for that matter, any of these other publications uh, that uh, have seem to have a political vendetta against letting people, trans people alone to live their lives. One thing you've said. And I want to make sure I get quote you correctly because a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but there, but it makes a lot of sense when you really walk people through it. And I want you to walk people through it. You came out 20 years ago and moved forward. You say it's more difficult to do it now than it was then. Now, a lot of people say the, say the opposite. Why do you feel it's more difficult now? I think it's more difficult now because it's more it's more socially visible. Maybe it's the double edged sword of you know we've had trans day of visibility and that sort of thing. And of course, I you know I'm one of those people. It's like yeah, this is I want to be an example. I want to let people know it will be okay because I've had that conversation with my 17 year old self who is so sad. Sad little, sad, sad young woman. Sad, you know, sad in that I'm trying to negotiate a way to live a life. And it's just not, you know, I can't see a way to make this work. And I wanted, you know, I wanted, I always had the desire to communicate that to, you know what, you can do this. And for a long, for quite some stretch through the, uh, through the nineties into the two thousands for quite a long stretch, it felt like we were going somewhere. I mean, Time Magazine has the trans transgender tipping point and all that stuff. And it's like, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is really cool. The reason that, um, you know, I think that if there's a social trendy thing, it's just people were made to feel more comfortable. People got to know us over time and realized we're just people. Uh, and and so socially, in, in a broader social context, uh, there was more acceptance. If there's more acceptance, there's less reticence to coming out as trans. If there's less reticence to coming out as trans, you'll see more people coming out as trans because, hey, social acceptance. And then there was the pushback. Uh, and the pushback has been brutal particularly over the course since since i would say 2018 the pushback has been brutal on trans people in every aspect of life and sport is very visible and the notion of competition is very visible and it's and as we all pointed out if you enact a law like the law that was passed in Utah, if you enact a law that says you're subject to inspection, if you win, it's not going to affect trans people. It's going to affect cis people. And in this case, a teenage girl who who's neither her, neither she nor her family was aware of this, but she won an event. And I, to be honest, I, have, I haven't kept up on it as closely as I should. We talked about but, it at the top of the show. Right. We did. We but, get, got deep in that, and people got an earful of my opinion on it. I found it to be absolutely ridiculous. And violent. But the, the, the parents of the girls who finished second and third fought that the girl who won, who is a cis girl, AFA, AFA, assigned female, uh, they're basically saying she's not girl enough. And, you know, and I heard that as, as a, you know, as somebody in, in my career, when a woman kicked a guy's ass, or as we say in a trade, kicked his rudder. It it's like the guy to solve his ego would say, "Well, you know, she's not really a girl," and that's the fucking. That's what I mean about misogyny. That that's what I mean. You can keep us out of sport, but what you're going to do is you're going to subject your sisters, your daughters, your you know, your aunts, <laughs> you're going to su subject anybody who's a woman to physical genital inspection because some asshole thinks they're not woman enough. Sorry. I and, uh, it's no, no, you can do that here because there, oh, I'm a, I have a lot of outrage. And some people heard some of that outrage at the beginning of the show about this Utah story, which I thought is ridiculous. Um, what you're seeing with the death threats 
and threats of violence against healthcare professionals God, at Boston Children's know. Hospital and at Let's Go Children's Hospital in Chicago and a bunch of others. Special shout out to Alejandra Caraballo from Harvard Law School for, for really sounding a lot of alarms on that. And for Aaron Reed for sounding a lot of alarms on that. Uh, the situation with, with the noted Twitch, Twitch streamer Kiffles, who's also been sounding some alarms and has been doxxed and has been threatened. Uh, she was swatted. Time. Yeah, she was swatted. This is an ugly time. And then the worst thing, yeah, and now you've got, and of course there's the Marjorie Taylor Green bill. The Protect Children Act, the Protect Children's Innocence Act, which tries to outlaw things that doctors don't do anyway. I'm just wondering, somebody who's, somebody's been around, who has been to the buoy and back a few times. When you look at this, what's your gut reaction to it all? Well, I just think I, I think it's a I think it's a mechanism. I think it's a device to uh, to motivate fury in in the in the breasts of of uh, conservative people. Like the the whole notion that we are coming for your kids is a movie I've seen before. I mean. The movie I saw before was homosexuals, right? Gay people, lesbians. I, it, it, it's like they're coming for your kids. So the, the whole, the whole locker room, bathroom thing. That argument was made back in the seventies about queer guys and women. I mean, it's like, well, you know, what do you know? It's like, well, you, what about this guy? It's like. It's what about this chick that's in the thing? It's like, you know, and that just drives people back into a, a really scary place. You know? And it, But it motivates people to get out there because people who will say things like, I enjoy being a woman. I enjoy being. I enjoy being the mother of my husband's children, our children. I enjoy is like these classical tropes of of gender roles and and stereotypes. Fine, cool. I'm happy for you. You know, you you can have that to your heart's content. When you say, you know, uh, I, you know, hey, Carly, I enjoy being a woman too. I just do it a little bit differently than than people who spout that kind of nonsense. And the problem is that those people presume to tell me that I'm doing it wrong. I was like, wait a minute, where do you get off? You know, it's like, no, that's you just. Let people be. We're all human beings. I'm perfectly happy to respect someone who believes in traditional marriage and traditional wifely roles and and accepts all that stuff. I, I mean, I have some problems with it because I don't think it necessarily redounds to the benefit of women generally as class as a whole. But, you know, that's your thing. Do your thing. 
just don't get up in everybody else's grill to say you are doing it wrong because you're a butch lesbian or you're trans or you're this or you're that or you you've got some other approach to expressing your sense of gender identity and sexuality it's crazy i want to throw two names at you leah thomas emily bridges if they were sitting on your couch right now and looking at you and they were saying stephanie what do we do we just want to compete. What do we do? What would you tell them ab- about what they've been through, where they're at now, and where things could go? First of all, I think that both of those ladies are incredibly courageous because they did not give up their dreams. They did not s- sit back and step step aside and say, oh, well, I won't. Uh, they just kept on. and they played by the rules that were that were set out and and they excelled i mean no athlete at any level plays to lose right even in, in, in amateur athletes it's much more fun to win than it's to lose it's a, a lot more fun um and when you get when you get to an elite level in sport, uh, the idea is you train, you work, you gear up to win the next contest, you know, to, or at least to do the best you possibly can do within your, within your, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the bounds of your physicality and within the within the framework of your training, you just do that. That's what you do. So you know, I would just say, keep on. You know, it, the 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 fight's not always the fights. There are lots of fights. There's there are, there are fights on the race course. There are fights on the pitch. There are fights. In politics, which unfortunately we wind up in, uh, and there are also battles within your own head. And the key thing is don't don't lose that battle because then you've really lost. If you lose your if you lose yourself, you're 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 no matter how many trophies you get. you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna maintain you know looking back in your own history how did being out there and being at the sails being in that boat and being in a race how did those experiences influence your own coming out where did sailing play into where you were say 20 years ago when you decided that enough was enough I had to be Stephanie. It was time to move forward. Well, I was at a point where I accepted that perhaps it was going to be, well, that's the end of my sailing career, end of my sailing career. In fact, you know, I, we, I did, I, um, uh, we, 
I separated from my business because, you know, people were sketchy about, oh my God, transsexual, you know, it's like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it was, it, you know, it, it was fine. People would ask me to sail and uh, finally one day I said yes. And I found, to be honest, Carly, that I found that I was, as I said, I, I want to make it clear, sailing is very is a very co-educational sport anyway. There are mixed crews all over the place. There are very few classes that have strict gender separations. So it's almost not, it's like, can you do foredeck? Can you do cockpit? Can you drive? Can you this? Can you that? It's not a gendered sport. Um, in reality, in, in reality, in the reality of day to day competition, some people would ask me, "Would you care to come sailing?" And it's like, when I got back into it, I just, I felt personally so much better in who I was and my physicality and everything else. I, I think my, I think my game improved tremendously. It just did. Because sailing's a very zen sport. It's like be here now. It's like you're you're the game sailboat racing is a game of of anticipating wind shifts and being in the right place at the right time and using the equipment to get yourself there. And and the physicality comes in is is when you have to uh, move the boat around, tack the boat, and you know pull on lines and pull sails up and take them down and all of that stuff. But I felt this, since I didn't have this little log in my eye of who am I? Who can I be? It's like, I, 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 it was, it was easier for me to participate in the sport because I felt free. I just felt free. I don't know if that answers the question, but. There was something you said when you were on this same podcast two years ago. You, we, bring, we beamed you up two years ago and you said, 2004, people started asking me to sail and it felt natural to jump back in. And some were the last people on earth I... I thought would be some cons old white conservative guys who for some oh, yeah. one reason or another out of abundance of compassion took me under their wings. For those who may not have heard that first one, and by the way, we're going to have, we're going to have Stephanie Helms's first visit to the transporter room back in June, 2020, also in the liner notes. What was it like that first time you were in a competitive race and now you weren't some dead name. You were Stephanie Helms, and you were out in that. Uh, it was, you know, it was perfectly fine. It's like, oh wow, this is fun. <laughs> I can do that again. I mean, I was, I was very, very grateful to uh, 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 the folks who asked me, and you know, the, the uh, um, 
particularly the J105 guy was like, yeah, well, he's, his politics is somewhat to the right of Attila the Hun, but, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, I still have problems because I think he was a Trump voter, which is, <laughs> uh, Don, do you realize what this means to me personally? And, and that's another, you know, it's a hook. I just like, Don, really, seriously, this is what this means to me. If you help me out here, dude. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it just felt natural. Just like, great. Well, going sailing. I'm not going to make a big deal out of I, I, I don't make a big deal out of being trans, except when folks ask me to talk about being trans. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm open about it, but it's just, I don't make a big deal out of it. And, and it's, uh, it's very curious that over the course of years, you know, over the course of time, I'm now at a point where if I didn't tell you, um, you know, I go to, I go to, uh, I'm, I've been, um, doing match races, which are, yeah, which are, Big, huge numbers of officials, small numbers of competitors. You know, it's like you got eight boats, you've got two umpire boats. Each umpire boat has two umpires on the boat to follow one boat. So you've got a fair army of people. And most of those people have no idea that I'm trans <laughs> at this point in time because enough time has passed. It's like, eh, some people know my history and some people don't, but it doesn't fucking matter. Just you know, it's just fun to be out there. What was it? What has it been like to win as uh, your authentic well, self? Uh, look over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I am. That was the second. I, that was the second. That was a second place finish. That was a second place finish. In, no, um, but but that's one thing because there, because it seems like when you're. Everybody's okay with trans until so everybody's okay with trans women competing until a trans woman wins. And I'm pretty sure that we had I had a um, Canadian Paralympian Nez Murby beamed up a few weeks ago. Now Nez is a trans man who is trying to work his way back to the Paralympics as his authentic self as the man he is in 2024 in Paris. And he says that if I happen to hit that po if I hit the podium in Paris, you can bet someone's going to have a problem with it. And that's and well, I I think it's I think it'll no matter which way the world turns, someone's going to have an issue with it. What? But what was it like for you to do well and be your authentic self and podium or win or come home with the hardware? Yep. I took it as like, well, I sailed well. And my competitors all took it as, well, I sailed well. I had a, a woman who uh, crewed for us on our J24. We had a local had a local race, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before on Saturday. And, uh, and uh, we, had, we had quite the little duel over about 10 miles of sailing. And, uh, it was one of the circumstances where the wind dies and it's like, 
okay, flip a coin. And so I'd be way ahead. She'd be way ahead. I was driving about when my owners condescended to let me drive the boat. It's like, it's like I'd be way ahead. She'd be way ahead. We'd swap places a lot. And it came down to a jibing duel at the finish line. Google jibing duel. I won't describe it. But, you know, it's like, okay. And there was very, very little wind. Ferocious tide against us. And it was who can get across the line first. And Erica beat me. And as I said, she had sailed with our team on a J-24 for quite a few years prior to. And she came up to me after the race, and she was just in seventh heaven. I beat you. I beat you. Yeah, I finally beat Stephanie else. It was like, oh, wow. I'm so happy for you, Erica. It's like, that is so cool. You know, I, I enjoy the sport for the whole thing about it. Uh, what was it like to win the first time? It was just like, yeah, well, that's what I'm here to do. You're just like, I'm, it felt great. Um, but as I said, it was the, the mental experience of, of competing as you know, fully me was really fantastic. I mean, I just, it was like, from, for me, it was good. Now, Keeping other people mind, yeah but also keeping that in mind what you're talking about you're you're talking about you're both fighting against the wind just trying to win this race trying to win this battle and you're talking about how great it is to compete and give everything you've got and if you do well you do well why do you for example I'm pretty sure that an Emily Bridges or Leah Thomas or any other transgender woman who, who's done well in sport in these recent years have felt the same way. So why do so many people get their noses out of the joint, you think? Uh, that's a complicated question. I think that I, I think that a lot of people get their noses out of the joint when women do well. I mean, you can think back to uh, uh, the whole... I think it's a spectacle in a lot of ways. I think if you look at the Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs thing back in the eighties, uh, it's like, you know, Bobby Riggs was trying to make a name for himself as a male chauvinist pig. And I'm going to wipe the court with uh, Billie Jean King. And it's like, there's no way you're going to do that. dude. You know, I mean, you're just not the athlete she is. And in fact, he wasn't the athlete. She was, and in fact, they did shake hands over the net. And it, but it was it was kind of a publicity stunt. But at least Bobby Riggs had the good grace to shake her hand and and walk off the court and say, "Yeah, you, you kicked my ass." Ironic. A lot of people. A lot of people these days won't let it go. Let's say World Sailing calls you and says, "Okay, Stephanie, look." What should the rules be? We, the cis people, are going to leave. We're going to let's. If World Sailing calls you and says, Stephanie, we don't want, we're not going to call Ross Tucker. 
We're not going to call the bug lady. We're calling you. What should inclusion look like for our sport? I am speaking now just for myself. Yeah, exactly. We made you the czar of world sailing. I believe, I believe that, as I said earlier, that sailing is a very equipment-dependent sport. Um, you're not going to... The, the, let's get back to principle five, I think. There's no presumption of advantage. There is... We've done actual studies on collegiate sailing it, for three years prior to 2019. You know, when after 2019, the whole thing collapsed because COVID. But we've looked at the uh, average win percentage of guys versus girls in collegiate sailing. There's no advantage to having a guy on the boat. It's not. It's it's not a gendered sport. It really shouldn't be a gendered sport. So therefore, if you were to ask me about the sport of sailing, and I won't speak for any other discipline, any other sport. I mean, you could make presumptions for archery or skeet shooting, for example. Uh, but it's such an equipment dependent sport. I don't. I I think uh, self ID would be fine. Um. But because it's you know it's it's type forming that's the, you you need to be a certain body type to sail a certain piece of equipment effectively, and you could have like the four seventy class, which is an Olympic class, has gone to mixed teams. So, um, and usually you, you want a long, tall, heavy person out on the wire hiking out and a short, light person in the back of the boat driving the thing just because of the nature, just because of the the uh, physics of sailing the boat. So I can imagine that combination as being trans women trans guy or cis woman trans guy or whatever it doesn't really fucking matter it's the it's those people and their skills um you know uh, the the disciplines uh like women's dinghy is laser radial and i could no more sail laser radial successfully than than you know godzilla could i'm too heavy Something like physically excluded from doing it, and I likewise I couldn't. It, it, I don't think the fins, the fins no longer in, in a, a factor, but I couldn't sail one of those because I'm too light. There are a lot of people that fall out. I mean, I had it on uh, on our panel. We, there was a uh, woman who weighs uh, like 192 pounds and six two. It's this one. It's like. I can't compete in laser radial classes. I'm too heavy. I'm too big. So it's, you know, for my sport, I'd say, you know, self-ID is plenty. It just shouldn't be. You don't need to worry about it. But on the other hand, socially, 
socially. I think that um, because women in sport have are, are still marginalized, are still discriminated against, are still regardless, are still regarded in a certain old, you know, she's just a girl. She can't. She can't win because those attitudes are still prevalent. I think that encouraging young women to get into the sport and participate and go out and kick some rudder is really important. And if that means um, having girls or women's events separate from guys, I think that, you know, that I have a very dear friend who, who uh, said, Oh, you would, I wish you could have been at, at the women's private school with us. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I understand those women's spaces, women's women's bonding, because there's so much of that horseshit male garbage we get surrounded, we get bombarded by in in the sporting world. I, I think there's a social need for for events like that, but I would not. I, I would say that uh, in this sport particularly self-ID is fine. And I would also say that in most sports, at the amateur level, not at the, not at the world athletics level, not at the pro level or not at, you know, not at the elite level uh, necessarily. I mean, I think that's, that's where things get complicated, but in amateur sports, it really should be self-ID all, all the way across the board. Exit question. Something we ask a lot here at the Transporter Room. And this is a question I've always been interested in asking you, because, and I'm pretty sure you can, you, can, you can talk a blue streak on it. Because one thing that I see every time I talk to you is that zest for living. Where do you find your trans joy? Ah, uh, you know, it, that, that's a funny, that's a smart, funny topic because uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, people like to talk about trans angst and all of that. There is such a thing as gender euphoria that goes along with gender, you know, it's the flip side of gender dysphoria. It's like, yeah. and it, which you know that's that's in the DSM five. That's that's the condition that gets treated, and the result of the treatment is this. You know, it's like the result of the the result of uh, it's it seems weird that people are resentful of trans folk being just so happy to be you know for themselves it's like ah well this is cool doesn't and i, I not to just you know i i think everybody has a few criticisms of their physicality like you know that's my my surgeon said yeah you could do it with a nose job i said you should see my sister's nose leave it alone <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh it's it's i i get i get joy out of living 
you know, and, and trying to do it well. And I fuck up frequently enough. Um, but I try not to. And, and I think that, uh, if, 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 uh, people who don't understand what it's like to be a trans person would just simply say, you know, if I didn't persecute these people, they'd probably be happy. And that if they could wrap their minds around the idea that, no, it is not, you're not doomed to be, you're not doomed to have a, uh, a permanent medical condition that will rob you of your happiness for your entire life. It's like, hey, I have had Jesus Christ 24 years where I have lived a happy life where the previous 44 were dreadfully conflicted. And it's like, why would you, why do you begrudge me that? Why would anybody begrudge anyone else that? You know, come on. You, you can, you, if you're, if you're satisfied with where you're at, if you like, if you don't have these conflicts, you don't have these issues. I'm happy for you. And why are you so upset that? Why is it? Why is it so important? Important to you to be unhappy for me because of what? some book said or some politician said or some other things that it's like hey why does it affect you in any way shape or form i always get inspired by the joy that you have when you talk about sailing when you just talk about life and i'm going to say this right now the transporter room at some point is getting up to maine and getting in a boat with you that's all right. I want to see because I want to feel the joy that you're feeling when you're out on that water. Stephanie, good luck the rest of the season. And thank you for giving such great insights this week to our Transporter Room Nation. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll, we'll turn you into Bill Murray. We'll lash you to the mast. <laughs> Going to beam you back down to Yarmouth, Maine. Thank you, Stephanie Holmes, for being a part of the Transporter Room this week. And thanks to all of you who listen to this show and download it and critique it. And follow me on Twitter. And recently with the things that I've been going on, things I told you about at the top of the show, many of you have sent your support, and I thank you for it. And oh, just yeah. a reminder that if there's something you want to see or someone you want to see, because... As we start heading into fall, we're we're looking to get even more and even more guests and even more guests. We want to make it bigger and better than ever. 
If you want to let us know about how we're doing, how we can do it better, leave a message on our Twitter page, leave a message on our Facebook page, and leave a message at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Because remember, everything I do at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us. Because by supporting us, you help me keep my little kitty fed as well as everything else. <laughs> That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.